Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Monday, March 6th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Today on the show, an economic mystery for 2023. But first, major developments in the U.S.-Israel relationship. That's today's one big thing. Protests in Israel have grown against Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's plans to reform the courts. Over the weekend, the ninth week of protests, hundreds of thousands took to the streets. As Israel and the U.S. plan for two high-profile visits adding more urgency to the situation this week, the U.S. now finds itself in a difficult spot. Axios' Barack Ravid is here to explain. Barack, first, why are the protests reaching this level Can you put this in context for us? Yes. Hi, Nyla. So I think even as someone who's been living here for more than 40 years now and was born and raised here, even I'm sort of surprised about how strong the Israeli civil society is in the current moment when for nine weeks people are going out of their homes to the streets uh, to protest. And every week, this protest grows more and more and more. It started with 20,000 people, and now just the protest in Tel Aviv, it had 160,000 people. This is the biggest one since the demonstration started. And I was there on Saturday night, and another 100,000 people all over the country. And when I say all over the country, I'm not just talking about Jerusalem, which is obvious. I'm talking about places like a settlement in the West Bank called Efrat. It's a right-wing settlement. And 300 people went out and protested. It's really all over the country. The protests in Jerusalem, most of the people there are right-wing religious Zionism people. You know, we're looking at the government plan to weaken, significantly weaken the Supreme Court and other democratic institutions. And they're saying, this is not what we thought is going to happen when we voted for them and they're going out and they're protesting against the people that they voted for. And I think that this huge wave of protest in Israel made it clear to the Biden administration that it cannot sit this one out because if Israel is detaching itself from democratic values like rule of law, like independence of the judicial system, then the whole Israel-US relationship is changing. And so all of that is against the backdrop of two big visits that are happening this week. You recently reported first about a U.S. visit scheduled for this week for Israeli finance minister Betzalel Smotrich, who is, first of all, a pretty controversial person. Can you give us the backstory there? You just gave the understatement of the millennium, calling Betzalel Smotrich a quite controversial person. Uh, Betzalel Smotrich is a person who has a track record of a racist, misogynist, xenophobic, Jewish supremacist rhetoric. And just uh, last week, he said that he thinks that the Palestinian village of Hawara, near the city of Nablus in the West Bank, should be wiped off the map. And he said it after his supporters went on a pogrom in this village and torched dozens of cars and and, and houses. And this statement won Mr. Smotrich a statement by the State Department saying that his remarks were repugnant. These comments were irresponsible. They were repugnant. They were disgusting. 
And just as we condemn Palestinian incitement to violence, uh, we condemn these provocative remarks that also amount to incitement to violence. That was Ned Price, spokesman for the State Department. What's your reaction to that, Barack? As somebody who's covering the U.S.-Israeli relationship for 20 years, this was the first time I've heard an official spokesman of the U.S. government talking like that about an Israeli minister. And Mr. Smotrich uh, wants to come to Washington in a week. And right now, the State Department is having discussions on whether to grant him a visa or not. This, this is unbelievable. And it just shows you how in two months since this right-wing government was formed in Israel, that the U.S.-Israeli relationship were completely unraveled. We'll be back in a moment with more from Axios's Barack Ravid. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. Axios contributing correspondent in Tel Aviv, Barack Ravid, is with us with the context for this pivotal week in the U.S.-Israel relationship. Barack, we've been talking about the protests against judicial reform, but the tensions and the violence in the West Bank are also continuing. How does that factor into all of this? It's kind of interesting that those two combined in the last week. How? A few days after the pogrom, there were demonstrations in Tel Aviv, and the police sent quite big numbers of riot police against those demonstrations. And you know what the demonstrators told the cops? They shouted at them, where were you in Hawara when those Jewish supremacists conducted this pogrom? And this was, I think, the first time where a lot of people realized there's a connection between the situation in the West Bank and what the government is trying to do right now inside Israel. Barack, is that why you use the word pogrom? Because I will say as an American, when I hear that, my definition of that is violence against Jewish people. The person who used this word to describe what happened in the village of Hawara is not me, it's not Barack Ravid, is the commander of the IDF Central Command, General Yuda Fuchs, the person who is in charge of maintaining Israel's occupation in the West Bank. He went on TV and said that what happened in Hawara was a pogrom that was conducted by outlaws. And this is the official position of the IDF. This is not the official position of Prime Minister Netanyahu. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is coming to Israel this week. That's the other big visit. What are you watching for? What do you think Defense Secretary Austin is going to be saying? You know, while everything we just talked about is a major development, there are other major developments in in the U.S.-Israel relationship. And this is what's going on in Iran. The Iranian nuclear program has been advancing very significantly. Just two weeks ago, UN inspectors found in one of Iran's nuclear facilities uh, enriched uranium that was enriched to the level of 84%, which is really like inches away from weapons-grade uranium. And so this week starts when on Monday and Tuesday, a delegation of senior Israeli officials will come to Washington for meetings in the White House and in the State Department to talk about Iran and the way forward and what can be done to, to stop the Iranians. And then a day later, Secretary Austin, who landed on Sunday night 
in the region. He, he started with Jordan. He's going to be in Iraq. He's going to be in Egypt. And his visit in Israel on Wednesday and Thursday will focus mostly on how Israel and the U.S. can prepare for a scenario. It's a last resort scenario, but it is a scenario that both countries are getting ready for. And this is a scenario where there will be a need to use military force to stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. Barack Ravid is a contributing correspondent for Axios from Tel Aviv. Thanks as always, Barack. Thank you, Naila. Something really strange has been happening in the U.S. economy, reports Axios's Neil Irwin. I asked him to explain to us why rate hikes aren't having a bigger effect on the economy. The Federal Reserve has been doing everything it can to bring down inflation. It's raised interest rates four and a half percentage points. It's cut its balance sheet by $600 billion. The whole goal is to cool down the economy, bring growth down, bring inflation down. And it just hasn't worked. Inflation is still running way above the 2% that the Fed thinks is okay. The unemployment rate is 3.4%, lowest it's been in 50 years. It's a very strange world. The question is, what's wrong? It's kind of the mirror image of what we experienced back in the early 2010s when you had the Fed trying to stimulate growth and they just couldn't do it no matter how much they lowered interest rates, no matter how much they did novel programs. Um, so what's going on? Well, there are a few theories. One of them is that uh, there's changes in the structure of the economy and how different industries operate, and that's resulting in, in less interest-sensitive economy. I also have a theory that wealth inequality might be a factor. You know, if you have a lot of assets held by the very rich, those assets decline in price, they're probably not going to cut their spending the way a middle-class family would. So we don't really know for sure, but it's one of these great mysteries that we're going to be monitoring and trying to make sense of as things move forward in 2020. That's Axios' chief economic correspondent, Neil Irwin. And that's it for us today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.